Hello, fanboys and fangirls. Welcome to episode number 16 of the Review Point Podcast, coming to you from fanboysanonymous.com. I'm your host, Tony Mango. Joining me on this episode is the Dace Man himself, Chris Dace. Hey, 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 hey. How's it going? And what we're going to talk about for this episode is going to be Ant-Man. So, of course, I need to warn you all, there will be spoilers. So if you have not seen the movie yet and you don't want to know what happens, then bookmark this, go watch the movie, then come back and check out our review. If you don't care about being spoiled, then go right at it, you know, because I'm sure we're going to do all that kind of stuff because we are going to break down the hits and the misses of the movie, talk about what things we liked, what we didn't like, what was meh, kind of in the middle, and, you know, anything else that comes to mind. And I also want to just apologize, we've got some technical difficulties, so if you hear some glitching, it's not that Dace is actually Ultron, it's just internet shit. So, sorry, can't edit it, but, you know. Got no strings to hold me down. <laughs> there are no strings on me. So, Dace, overall first impressions, what did you think of Ant-Man? I liked it. It was a, it was a good movie. Um... Not the best Marvel movie, but definitely a good flick to get out and see. I've actually been to the movies in a while, so I enjoyed it. My first impressions before seeing this movie uh, were kind of similar to Guardians of the Galaxy. I figured Guardians of the Galaxy was going to be impossible to pull off, and, you know, they proved me wrong. But still, to me, Ant-Man seemed like it was going to have a lot of issues and I've said before on different podcasts and stuff that I'm not a big Edgar Wright fan are you no I don't think so (laughs) I can't think of anything he did everything that I've seen of his I haven't thought was really that funny or like at most I've been like oh I can I can see why people like it but it's not my thing so when everybody went nuts that he was going to be you know commandeering this film I was just like oh man like Ant-Man kind of sucks, and you get a director that doesn't have the best track record for me, and then when everybody, you know, lashed out, and they were like, what, you know, Edgar Wright's not going to do it, this movie's going to suck, and I was like, hey, maybe there's a good shot here, like, a very unpopular opinion, but I still thought that Ant-Man was going to end up sucking, and I'm happy to say it doesn't suck. Uh, I do have to say, though, it's probably one of my least favorite Marvel films. I could see that. It, it, it's a character that not any of us know much about. Uh, at least me. I don't know. I knew a, a little bit about Hank Pym, and then they went with Scott Lang, and it was like I don't know anything. Mm-hmm. I think that helped me enjoy the movie more because didn't know what to expect. I, I walked in, just knew he can change his size with Pym particles. How are they going to do this? Yeah, I really don't know too much about it. I mean, I've tried to learn as much as I could beforehand, and. Some of the stuff I could see playing out, but some of the stuff was kind of like, like, I don't remember any of the supporting characters from, like, the the heist people. I don't remember any of them ever showing up, but maybe they did, maybe they don't. I mean, like, I can tell you the weirdest, most obscure people in Spider-Man and Batman and Superman, I can't tell you shit about, like, uh, Erica Grady or uh, Bill Foster, I think, was uh, Goliath. Ben Foster? No, Ben ah, Foster is the dude who was yeah. Angel. I think it's Bill Foster. I have no idea. Those are characters that always slip my mind. Bill Fo- it, It's got to be Bill Foster because that's ringing in my head. Uh, he's the guy who got killed by the fake Thor in Civil War. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just knew him as Goliath. I don't remember what yeah. his name was. Which, I'm, that's actually something that I'm surprised that they didn't do in this movie. They didn't have him turn really big. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, they, they played with the idea of uh, enlargement just a little bit mm-hmm. with the discs, um, which I thought that was cool, the PIM discs, because I didn't think that would be something that would show up so quickly. I don't know if you could say that, but it was it was interesting what they did. Yeah, so plot-wise, to give you a little indication of the film, if you have not seen it and you don't care about spoilers... Uh, we've completely skipped over the idea of Hank Pym and Janet Van Dyne. That's all in the past, and it seems like what they're kind of building up to is that they might do some kind of like retrospective work with that, which I don't know exactly how they're going to do it, but mm. they uh, did some work that kind of led, laid that foundation and skipped right to Ant-Man number two. Uh, Scott Lang is a former burglar, not a thief, a burglar, and he essentially gets hired to do the job of, you know, a heist film. And they always make it a point nowadays, especially, to point out to the audience, like, look, we're making superhero films, but we're also making X type of film. Like, uh, Captain America the Winter Soldier is a political spy thriller. And uh, Guardians of the Galaxy is like the the team-up sci-fi space film. And uh, what was the last one that we saw even before Avengers? Uh, was that Guardians? Of, yeah, it was Guardians. Of yeah, it was Guardians, and before that was uh, Civil War or not Civil War? Uh, Captain America. Winter Soldier. Yeah, but like, like they're trying. Uh, even like the um, Aven- um, not Avengers. Even Iron Man three was sort of a Bond film in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, so of course this one's a heist film, and that's something that I might kind of give a miss to. I liked the idea that it was a heist film, but at the same time, my biggest problem, I think, with this film is that it's very rushed. Yeah. It felt like we got to the end before we even really got to know Scott. Like, it kicked off with the... Uh, I think that scene was pretty awesome, where it's 1989 with a little bit of Hank history. And how I, I liked that they brought Howard back, the, the one Howard they used in Iron Man 2. I want to say he was used in. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that was really cool, and I, I, I enjoyed a little bit of backstory before they went to the front story. Um, but then once you got to Scott, all of a sudden, it was like, all right, he's Ant-Man. What? <laughs> like, I didn't really get to invest too much time into Scott. I just know he's a dude that did something uh, because he felt it was right, and, and he's just he's fallen on hard times, not helping me learn more about Scott Lang as a person. Like, you kind of had to knew, know what he did in the comics. Yeah, and like... You get the point that he's supposed to be, like, a good guy, but kind of, like, a dick and all this kind of stuff, but really that's all you know. Like, he's funny, and he's not a bad guy. Mm-hmm. Which... And I didn't think he was that funny either, which I was more... I would laugh more at the heist guys that he had. Yeah, the best character of the whole thing was Luis. Yes. And he... I was really surprised about that, because, uh, you know, you pitched the idea of, like, well, we've got Jay Hernandez, and we've got... I don't know the other two people. I don't even know the characters' names for the other two people. Uh, I think one was Dave. Uh, sure. And the other one was the guy who was uh, working with the Joker in The Dark Knight. So I knew that was him. Yeah, but with an accent. <laughs> now. But it was like, oh, those other two guys and the best character of the whole thing. Like that whole running gag of him, like just being a complete idiot, was really like one of the best parts. Total hit for me on that one. Yeah, oh, God, back up, back up, back up, back up. Just backing up. Yeah, I don't know what you're just backing up, backing up, back up, back up. Okay, we'll back up. He, he was the comic relief. I was shocked being that it was Paul Rudd. He wasn't as funny as I thought he would be. And maybe that hurt my opinion of the movie a little bit 
because I was expecting, oh, it's Paul Rudd. I'm going to laugh. He's a sarcastic little asshole. What's this is going to be funny? And he really wasn't. He, he he's a genuinely good guy that was doing things for his daughter. So um, I think that might have hurt it because I had the expectation of Paul Rudd. I'm going to laugh, and I ended up laughing at the Hispanic, the Russian, and the black guy. <laughs> Well, the couple scenes he was kind of like typical Paul Rudd, like the uh, kissing scene at the end. Yeah, that was, and that was the Rudd I expected through most of the movie. Yeah, and to have it at the end, it was like, oh, that's good. And his interaction with a uh, spoiler alert Falcon was uh, pretty funny. Falcon was definitely a big hit to me. That was actually one of my favorite parts too. And mm-hmm. it's not only just because it helps build the world that they have, because I mean they need to do that, and they're good at doing that too. But just the idea that like. It was Falcon too, like mm-hmm. instead of it, I mean, I would have loved an appearance by Tony Stark or you know whatever, but like there are all the other people, and Falcon's somebody who probably is not going to have like too too much to do in Civil War, so having him pop up in this was kind of cool. Yeah, I, I think it was neat, and they they focused just on Falcon, like you said, he was talking to someone to come, which could have been uh, Black Widow, Scarlet. It could have been any one of those characters that we were left with at the end of uh, Age of Ultron, but they just ha- kept him talking, but didn't have anyone interact. So it was good focus to say, hey, remember, this is Falcon. Falcon is an Avenger. Saying, remember, Falcon, hey, it's Falcon. So Cool new suit, cool. too. Y'all, I love the suit. The suit was uh, it wasn't cartoonish. It was more tech-driven. And, you know, he was, uh, it was, it was good to, it was a good, a good, not forced cameo uh, when it comes to the Marvel Universe. Some of them feel kind of forced. This one felt like, yeah, that makes sense. So what did you think about Peggy Carter popping up? She's the one that's always usually forced. Yeah. <laughs> I do like, like how they they kind of made it seem like she was tied into it, though. Like, So if they ever do, or actually they are going to do um, another season of Agent Carter, Like, maybe it'll be about Ant-Man. Mm-hmm. Oh, wait, no, it can't be. Uh, yeah, I thought it was neat um, that Carter was in it. I also thought it was neat that, like, you know, Captain America is kind of our World War II hero, and it made it sound like Ant-Man and Wasp were kind of the heroes of, like, the Vietnam-Korean War era, uh, dealing with Soviets and stuff. Not not everybody's fighting the damn Nazis. There was other villains in Hank Pym's world. So I thought thought it was, like, you have Cap, who's World War II era, and then you have Pym, who's kind of like that hippie. Cold War kind of stuff. Yeah. Dealing with the aftermath of Without a World Without Captain America. And sucking at it in comparison. <laughs> yeah, and they, they did... Uh, I don't know if we're going to go into character development already, but uh, they did Hank Pym justice. He he started out with science. That's all he wanted to do. Then he became a hero, and like in the comics and in the TV shows and everything you see, he gets sick and tired of the this power he has, and he just hides it, and he gets bitter at everybody. So I, I think they did the Hank Pym character very well. A big spoiler when it comes to this kind of stuff, but fuck it, we're spoiling the whole movie, who cares? Uh, Janet Van Dyne, they really set up the idea that they'll probably have, if they do another film, they'll deal a lot with this, like, subatomic world. Mm -hmm. Who do you think that they could cast to be a good Janet? Because they went out of their way to not have anybody in the film. Like, they showed her three times, I think, and it was... Uh, a hat covered everything but her lips and she was in the suit and that was like it. 
See, now, I know there's been a rumor mill going around that uh, Tomei is going to play Aunt May. Mm-hmm. I think she would have made a better Wasp. Uh, she's about that age. Well, she can play that age bracket of Pim, um, but it has that energy behind her. I always see her as a peppy type actress. Whereas if you got like a Susan Sarandon or someone like that, it'd be a little, you know, okay, you're old. You can't do that anymore. <laughs> but if you had like a Marissa Tomei, it'd be like, all right, yeah. A, you're gorgeous. B, you have the energy. And C, I think you'd be better at that than Aunt May. She is gorgeous, isn't she? Okay. Like, yeah. Aunt May, come on. Yeah, uh, don't, don't risk that on Aunt May. Whip. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what they're going to do with that, though. I mean, like, they could either go with, like, a younger person and say that she doesn't age, or they could go with an older one and say somehow she was able to survive, like, 30 friggin' years in that. Because <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, Evangeline Lilly is, like, late 30s, right? Mm-hmm. But Paul Rudd's, what, 45, 46? Really? Yeah, he's fucking old and looks so much better and younger than me. <laughs> oh, let's see that right here. 46? Goddamn. Yeah, it, it's crazy. Well, you do make a good point that maybe she doesn't age. Um, they hit, Every time they kept talking about that subatomic world, they kept hitting at There's no time. Everything you know about time, reality, and everything, it, it doesn't exist there. So she could be frozen in time as a third-year-old uh, Janet. So. And then we've got uh, Hope Van Dyne, who is the daughter of Janet and Hank, played by Evangeline Lilly. In the comics, she's bad. And totally not in this one. Mm-hmm. But kind of a bitch. <laughs> yeah, you got that little bit of the bitchy, snarky side out of her. Um, I don't think they're going to push her as a bad guy because they want to do Wasp, and they do not have a very strong female uh, superhero bank right now. Uh, at least the Disney Marvel side. Right now, all you have that's made an appearance is Black Widow. And that's just like a fucking sex icon. It's not a superhero. We just stare at her because she looks hot. Um, whereas Hope, she's kind of a bitch. She, and now she's going to put on the suit, hopefully either for Civil or a future movie down the road, probably Infinity Wars or something. Yeah, they don't really have a whole lot of females out there. They're starting to set some up. I mean, we've got Scarlet Witch. We've got Mm -hmm. Black Widow. They're going to be doing Captain Marvel. And Wasp will be another one. But, I mean, I can't imagine her being, like, a big part. But Yeah, if you think about the ones that they've established, though, it's, it's, uh, you got Black Widow. It's really just a sex kind of really sets people off because all guys just stare at her. It's Scarlet Johansson. If you didn't want to stare at her, you should have casted someone uglier. Um, and Scarlet Witch is kind of, she was very whiny in Ultron and like, and she's really whiny in the fucking comics too. It's like, oh, no more mutants and fucks up <laughs> universes and shit. So uh, the only hope right now is hope. That's weird. Um, and Miss Marvel will be someone who should be respectable unless they do the casting wrong and we get another hot chick. So. Speaking of women that pop up all over the place and stuff like that, Judy Greer. Oh, God. In everything. Everything. As if Jurassic World was not enough for you. For your two-second role. You had to get a two-second role in Ant-Man. You can't be in every film franchise. You're not part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe and Jurassic World Universe. I think the next film I'm going to see is Mission Impossible, and if she pops up in the hat, I'll be like, all right, come on, you're fucking with me now. 
Jesus. I do like her, though. I mean, she's a decent enough actress that, like, uh, she's well-known enough that they could have put her in this role, and it's like, oh, Judy Greer, huh? Mm -hmm. Instead of just getting a nobody. And, like, I honestly, maybe I'm just completely oblivious to him, but, like, the guy who plays the stepdad, Paxton, I have no idea who that guy is. He looked familiar. I can't finger him in anything else, like, besides what we just saw tonight. I will probably forget him. Like, oh, yeah, there's that guy again. I don't know him from anything else. I kind of uh, think that maybe he might be like, a, a, like I don't know, like a lawyer in some random show or something. Like, yeah, I, I got the feeling that he was like either a cop before or like some kind of official role. Um, I think that his role actually was supposed to be the one that Patrick Wilson had originally. Mm. I also see. I did recognize uh, the hell is his name? The one off his partner. Isn't he from uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy? I didn't see that. No idea. Maybe I just... Oh, he's... No, I'm thinking of somebody else. Never mind. I just looked him up. Uh, he's Bobby Cannavale, or Cannavale, not sure. I think the movie that I recognize him from is Snakes on a Plane. <laughs> Successful career. <laughs> yeah, so that must be why I'm like, who the fuck's this guy? <laughs> I haven't really... seen that in forever. Oh, God, that's such a terrible movie. Uh, Darren Cross, the villain. I gotta say, he's kind of a mess for me. He's still I, a little bland. I love that actor. Um, I feel like they didn't give him enough green time to build the uh, the hatred that he had. He just piggybacked off of Hope's pain. You didn't feel the neglect from Hank to him like you did with Hank to Hope. And it kind of killed his story a little bit because of that. But he is, I, I like him as an actor. He was great in House of Cards, and him as the, the main villain here made sense. Kind of a dick. He came out the gates being a dick, rather than like, oh, we can sympathize with this villain. No, it's, he fucking killed a guy in five first minutes. Yeah, there's little sheep. Oh, and the sheep, too. I, I think the audience, as we were watching, were more concerned about the sheep than the guy he fucking did, uh, got in the bathroom. It's <laughs> like, Really, he just killed a guy at the beginning of the film because he said, I have concerns. Not that, no, no, we're going to stop your idea. It's just, I, you know, maybe this, I got a, some little bit of concerns that you can answer some questions. No, it was just you shot him with a pin gun, whatever the fuck they call him in this. Yeah, they're like, oh, he's just a suit, but oh, a little sheep. Oh, no, 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 sheep. Oh, no. Oh, fuck Frank. Nobody cares about Frank. What do you think about the ants? I'm a little bit disappointed that they killed the the good one off. I I was dev okay again. This poor guy Frank that died in the first five minutes. I could give two fucks about but when they killed that ant. <laughs> I was like, no, it's what, what did he call him? Annie, Auntie, and Auntie or I thought he said Anthony at first. Oh, Anthony. He did Anthony. He, it was a play on the Anthony. Anthony? Yeah, and <laughs> killed Anthony. And I was like, no. You son of a bitch, I hope you die now. <laughs> it's like, you killed Sheep, you killed Frank, I didn't care about that. I Shut was convinced that since they showed the one uh, wing flying off, mm-hmm. that there was going to be a shot where he got saved from that ant, and it had just the one wing, and it was kind of like, um, kind of like when like an airplane has like the one wing, and it sort of is still flying just enough to be able to land. Uh-huh. I thought they were going to go with that, or that he was going to have, like, 
at the end of the film another ant that was like his mm. his new like number one, and it was going to name it like Antoine. Hmm. He might do that for uh, you know Civil War. I'm calling it right now. If Antoine the ant pops up, they stole it from me. I don't care if they're already filming. They stole yeah. it. They're almost done, but they stole that. <laughs> but they friggin' went back and reshot that scene. <laughs> oh, we were going to call him, like, Antone, but don't worry about Antoine now. <laughs> yeah. uh, it'd be interesting. I, I like the, the dynamic that he ended up building with an ant and it made me care enough that when that ant got shot, it was like, well, fuck. Sucks. What did you think of the special effects? I think that for the most part, that was a hit. I thought it was good. Um, there was one scene that I, in my head, when he was running through the circuit boards and shit, I was like, "Did they? Is as part of the Sony deal with Spider-Man? Did they steal the uh, graphics from Amazing <laughs> Spider-Man 2? Like, I got the uh, the uh, elect- oh, what the fuck electro. Yeah, electro versus Spider-Man when they're going through the power grid. I got that feel when uh, Scott was flying through the circuits. Like, this looks vaguely familiar. So do you just get to steal that now that you own it again? Like, what's going on? What if they would have just done the dubstep shit? (laughs) (laughs) Fuck Spider-Man, Ant-Man, fuck Spider-Man, (laughs) Ant-Man. That's a miss for me, though, the music. Oh, it was nothing to write home about, and sometimes it was just like the best music was the car horn. It's <laughs> pretty sad, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah, so that's pretty awesome. Nothing else is memorable. I like Kristoff uh, Beck, who did the film music, mm-hmm. but man, like you know, you you give like even before this uh, earlier today, I was listening to a bunch of random songs. You know, just had my music playing, and the end theme from Iron Man three popped up, and it's been stuck in my head all day because it's catchy as hell. That bum 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 bum. Yeah, you know, and Thor's got its own theme now. Captain America's got like great freaking music, and even the ones that they don't use anymore, a lot of them still have great music. The Avengers theme is amazing. It's one of like the best film themes that's come out in the past ten years. And this is just, uh, like, it felt more like video game music to me or something. Like, they, they kind of cheaped out on it. Yeah, I, I think we got really high expectations because the Guardians of the Galaxy fucking soundtrack was phenomenal. Uh, I have that on record. I have it on TV. I have the MP3s. It's just so good to listen to start to finish. Uh, all the soundtrack songs and even the score. And then it... Just kind of this film saying just not satisfied. Nothing memorable. No like when he when uh Scott would make his return to like punch somebody in the face. There was none of that build up like, oh, our hero's back. It was just kinda Yeah, this is we we have to put music in the film, so let's just do the I'm going through my notes right now. I totally forgot to mention Hydra. Yes, that was a good throwback, like you feel you kind of feel after civil well yeah after civil war or not civil god damn it after winter soldier and then the second season of agents of shield that hydra is kind of like an afterthought now like yeah we we've ran our hydra course we're kind of done with it we beat the fuck out of them in both avengers or in avengers old age of ultron shield we kicked their ass it just kind of felt like oh well you know hydra's a backburner thing and then boom well hydra's going to buy this suit so now you're setting up season three of Agents of Shield because now Hydra's going to probably be a part of it, and it's just it's something that's a consistent 
uh, catalyst in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I kind of thought if they were going to go with anything, they would have gone with AIM. Yes, I don't like how the AIM seems like an afterthought in Iron Man 3. And now that Tony took care of, I can't think of his fucking name, but after Tony took care of the villain in Iron Man 3, there's no more AIM. Yeah, kill him. There's no more AIM. Like, Iron Man single-handedly just fucked them up. So we'll never get MODOK. Oh, we gotta get MODOK. I'm still saying, friggin', uh, Peter Dinklage needs to be MODOK. (laughs) It's perfect casting. (laughs) I don't care if he was Boulevard Trask already. The universe should be done. Yeah. (laughs) If not him, then it needs to be somebody, like, really, really ridiculous. Oh, God, no. I just don't want to see him back anymore. Or Hornswoggle. You know, he's an actor. Like, Kevin James or something. <laughs> like, I don't know. Rob Schneider is a MODOK. <laughs> derp, derp, derp. He probably looks like MODOK nowadays. I hate to see Rob Schneider as MODOK. <laughs> the the uh, genius that always gets fucking foiled. <laughs> George Tarleton. What a... Ugh, man, if we ever get MODOK on screen, I think that might be like a jump to shark moment where you just go, alright, really? Like, we, we do have MODOK now? Like, I can't imagine anybody fighting MODOK. We just look at the screen and like, yep, and this is where the uh, superhero world dies. Yeah. Yeah, this is why they got to reboot everything after Infinity War. <laughs> a couple other little notes that I had here. Uh, I thought that a great little, a little bit forced, but a great little nod was Tales to Astonish. They, they threw that out there at the beginning of the film, and I wanted to keep remembering that so throughout the whole film. I'm sitting there going, Tales to Astonish, Tales to Astonish. Because, <laughs> like, you know, I can't just bring up my phone in the middle of it. People will be like, what, is he recording it or shit? But mm-hmm. I thought that was kind of cool, and it looked like a couple other shots in the film were reminiscent of things that I've seen from Ant-Man things in the past, and I can't place them exactly, because it's not like, oh, that's the shot from The Killing Joke that I've read four times. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, that's that Ant-Man thing that maybe about the ant thing. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's Ant-Man, I mean, come on. Uh, when when they said Tales to Astonish, I kind of popped a little bit. I thought that was like, oh, I see what they did there. That's pretty cool. I call one of these Easter eggs without going online and find out what I fucking missed. Yeah, because when they do these, like, they force a lot of them. You know, like that whole, oh, Earth's Mightiest Heroes kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's like, ah, you said it. <laughs> what other, uh, any random notes that you had that we were thinking of, hits or misses, anything that stood out to you, uh, maybe like action or uh, set design, anything weird? I thought the fight scenes were pretty cool. Um, it, it was weird to actually watch. I was thinking this as we were watching the film. Most fight scenes are like, you're on the edge of your seat, like, yeah, kick his ass, fight him, fucking kill him. This one, the way they did it is you were on the edge of your seat, like, oh, my God. They're, like, battling it out. And then if they were small, they would zoom out, and all of a sudden it's just like the toy fell over. <laughs> like, they're they're having this epic battle at, like, a hundredth of the size of a normal human. And then we pull it back and watch it as a human. It's like, like shit. It just knocked over the Thomas. And that was it. Um, but I, I thought the fight sequences were really awesome. Even the training, too. Like, they didn't make Scott out to be, uh, oh, he knows how to fight. Like, it just came. It, it, it was something he had to work towards. I thought that was cool, too. So, overall, what do you think was the biggest hit and the biggest miss? Biggest hit had to be Falcon. Um, his interaction with Scott, 
the the whole recon mission of the new Avengers bunker that we saw at the end of Age of Ultron. Huge spoiler there if you're not paying attention. Um, I thought that was cool, and I, that was a huge hit for me. And the the history of Hank, it wasn't just complete Scott Lang film. It was also a Hank Pym film, and I think they Michael Douglas was a great choice for Hank Pym. So those are my hit, hits. Uh, miss. It would have to be. I'm going to have to go with Paul, Paul Rudd a little bit. Like I said, I had this anticipation that Paul Rudd was going to be funny, snarky, sarcastic. And if you watch the cartoons on Sunday mornings, they're building Scott Lang to be Paul Rudd, and then Paul Rudd kind of acted like Scott Lang in the comics, and it's like, okay, now I'm confused. So I think Paul Rudd's, it's amazing what he's done with this film. I like him. And just calling it a miss, it just means I'm nitpicking. It's not, this didn't break the movie for me. It's just I expected more laughter because of Paul Rudd and I didn't get it. See, I got to go, probably the biggest hit is the references to the other kind of movies that we've gotten, like the... uh, flashback kind of stuff we you know we know that Peggy Carter and Howard Stark have been involved in the early shield stuff now we know that Hank Pym was working as Ant-Man in the 80s and we can kind of go back and visit that in the past and stuff but uh one that stood out to me probably more than any of the other ones and I mean Falcon of course is like it hits you right in the face but I really dug that they threw a Spider-Man reference out there that was cool yeah, that, that, that felt like they were like, yeah, we got him back, so now we can start mentioning him. Like, they basically turned around to the screen and just went, fuck yeah, Spider-Man, <laughs> like, we got him back. <laughs> Woo, everybody, throw up your fucking 3D glasses. Now put them back on, because we still got a minute of the movie left. Yeah. Uh, and um, my biggest miss, probably the pacing, because it seems like this was far shorter than the other ones, and I know that it is actually shorter, like the runtime is literally shorter than a lot of the other ones have been. Maybe I would have cared more about some of the characters if there would have been an extra couple minutes to build up to them. Because one scene in particular that stood out to me that was really rushed was the explanation of what happened to Janet, which came essentially one scene after they said, like, you know, he's never told me what happened, and then it's like, ah, alright, I'll tell you. Like, (laughs) I was like, yeah. shit, that shouldn't have happened for another 15 minutes or so, at the very least. And I felt I, like it was just, it happened like, you know, they, they set something up and then immediately paid it off. And I did like how they bounced back from it, though. It's like, oh, now we're in this emotional moment, and then Paul Rudd just fucking killed it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look at this. Walls are coming down. I, I killed it. I'm going to go make some tea. So that, that that was pretty good, how they brought it back from that. But like you said, it was that was rushed. Um, they were in a car. She's spilling out her emotions, and then bam, and everything's resolved. I actually, um, I feel really bad that I didn't notice this, but uh, when Luis was humming, he was humming "It's a Small World." Was he? Yeah, I didn't notice that. I'm looking at uh, some different facts about it right now. That no, was the yeah, song he was singing. I, I knew I recognized it, and I couldn't place what it was. I like what he did there. I see what you did there, Luis. It's a good little joke. Yeah. I also actually, something else I uh, didn't mention about Corey Stahl with the whole Darren Cross character, I like how Yellow Jacket was the villain. 
Because mm-hmm. really, who else is going to be a villain in an Ant-Man thing? Without Egghead? calling in the Avengers, yeah. So the fact that Yellow Jacket is kind of like the dickish side of uh, Hank Pym, I'm up for them making that a villain. He looked cool. Which is cool. If you think about it, even Hank Pym, when he was talking to uh, Cross in the film, specifically said, uh, when they were talking about, what did you? why did you pick me? And he goes, I saw myself in you. And then he goes, then why did you push me away? I saw too much of myself into you. So really, if you think about it, Scott Lang is the good part of Hank Pym, and uh, Corey Stahl's character was the bad part. So, yeah, the inner struggle happening out on film. (laughs) (laughs) All righty, guys, that's our review for Ant-Man. And, of course, we are going to just, you know, give you every single Marvel film out there. Anytime any of them comes out, we definitely jump on those. Uh, But we got some other review points coming up over the course of the next couple months and stuff, so... Uh, stay tuned for more review points and stuff. Before we leave you entirely, though, we're going to throw out some plugs. So, Dace, anything you want to plug? Yeah. <laughs> Couldn't think of a way to add that. <laughs> Check out the Dace Man Show Wednesday nights on powersradio.com and everything that's going on at fanboysanonymous.com, written by yours truly, which I've started writing again. So, woo! Woo! Post for me to edit. More work. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but like you said, fanboysanonymous.com, we've got articles about whatever is going to be happening that we feel, you know, the need to write something about, and more podcasts coming your way. The Four Real Movie Club for this month is going to be coming up in a couple of days here. Uh, we're recording this, you know, right after we just saw Ant-Man, so depending on when you're listening to it, it might even already be up, but that's going to be about Mission Impossible movies, and who knows, maybe we'll end up reviewing Mission Impossible. Uh, Rogue Nation, I think is what it is. Rogue He's Rogue sad. Squadron? <laughs> Tom Cruise leaves Scientology. Rogue One. Rogue something. Oh, it's uh, Mission Impossible Rogue Cut of Days of Future Past. That's what it is. Ah, makes sense. Rogue <laughs> One for Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so stay tuned for those. Stay tuned for any other podcasts that are coming the way with like the group meeting or um, any other review points that might pop up. Might even do like a review point classics or something. I've been wanting to kind of do one of those kind of things. But if uh, you aren't just checking out the fanboy stuff and you want to check out some more things, let's say that maybe you're a fan of pro wrestling. Go to smartoutmoment.com. Let's say you want to hear us just bullshit about random stuff. You might want to listen to the All Talk Show. And let's say that you want to do other kind of shit under A Mango Tree. Well, you got to do is follow A Mango Tree on Facebook, Twitter, and all the other accounts like that, and you will always be updated about anything that's else, uh, that's coming your way. So that'll do us in for episode 16 of Review Point, and uh, I think that we've kind of said everything that we need to say. So leave your comments below. Tell us what you think about Ant Man. What do you think is going to end up happening with Civil War, Spider Man stuff, anything that's going to be happening with Phase Three? Because we're rolling right into Phase Three now. So. That's it, guys. Episode 16's in the bag. We will see you next time.